to you about uh, this is a this is a doctrinal message tonight a major doctrine message about Jesus one of the names of Jesus one of the functions of Jesus found in Luke chapter I'm going oh let's see two two places I'm going to Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16 and comparing that over to Matthew chapter 21 verse 42 and it's, it's, it's about Christ as being the chief cornerstone. My title is officially, What Does the Chief Cornerstone Mean? What does the chief cornerstone mean? So we're going to discuss this, and I believe we'll go home with something encouraging tonight. I, I, I read through in Luke chapter 24. is a very interesting chapter for me. Man, it's an interesting chapter. You learn a lot in Luke chapter 24. Jesus is appearing after the resurrection. Two disciples go into Emmaus. Uh, they're discouraged. They're down. Their leader has been taken from them. Uh, I preached on Judas Iscariot. I believe a very palatable and very possible motive why Judas did what he did. Uh, I think Judas thought without a, without a doubt that Jesus was uh, the Christ, the supernatural Christ. But he had not received Christ. Did not repent and receive him, but he wanted materially to establish the kingdom for Israel here and now. And they did too. They talked about it. when are you going to come establish a kingdom? <clears throat> it was on their mind. You know, Rome was in there ruling over them, humbling them. And man, they were looking for a savior to come and deliver them from the oppressive hand of the Romans, which took their taxes at will. And, and if you resisted them, they hung you up on crosses and and shamed you before everybody and everything, and scourged you to death. And it was just the Romans were ruthless. And so who wouldn't want to get out from under that kind of punishment, that kind of ruling? And Israel was deeply, deeply discouraged that their Messiah had not come. Following the writing of Malachi in about 435 B.C., called the 400 years of silence, where there was no word from a prophet after Malachi. And so they were, they had all of the great, great verses, and there's many, many prophecies of the Christ that was to come. And here go 400 years. 400 years is a long time now. The United States is only 200 plus years old. 400 years is a long time for any, any, any country even. And so they'd waited almost to the place of despond, almost to the place of, is he coming at all? Is this really true? And God will bring people to that place. Then he'll show up, and he showed up, and look how he showed up through a 15-year-old girl, 15, 16-year-old girl that gets pregnant, as far as everybody else knows, out of wedlock. This It's already been betrothed to a guy. She, as far as they were concerned, she was unfaithful to him, and he married her anyway for some reason. Of 
course, we know because the angel appeared to him, but I'm not sure everybody else knew all that. I'm not sure they went around telling, hey, an angel appeared to me. Oh, sure, yeah, they're going to believe all that, right? I think a lot of that they kept personal, kept inside. People are fairly personal and quiet about that. Angel appeared to Mary, obviously, and then an angel appeared to Joseph. The only reason he stayed married to her. So he took her, and, and I think, you know, he took her to the chagrin of his family. I mean, think about the shame of it all. Shame of the whole family. Shame the whole family. He had a woman that had a baby that wasn't his. It, it'd be like it'd be like uh, Barrow showing up with his wife looking the way it is now, and he's not married yet. I mean, you'd say, "Well, you'd feel sorry for Barrows." You'd say, "You know, you're a good guy taking that woman on with somebody else's kid." But that was the way Mary. Oh, people say, "I'd like to be married." Oh, would you? A sword, the Bible says, shall pierce her heart. I'm, I'm sure many swords pierce Mary's heart, and so. Christ is born in, in a sense of really ignominy, even in his birth. Angels come, of course, and they, they begin to realize, at least a little handful of people begin to realize this is actually the Christ that has come. You know, Zacharias at the temple and a few other folks, they, woo, they get special insight of the Holy Spirit, but the rest of the people don't get it. Until <clears throat> about age 30, he really is quiet. Jesus is quiet till age 30. You don't hear much about Jesus till age 30. There's a lot to be learned in. A lot of times, God will put you in a quiet place for a long time so that you can learn who He is before He puts you out in a public place. And so, uh, you know, and in the case of Jesus, 30 years before He finally manifested Himself in a public ministry with, with uh, Matthew chapter 4, the baptism of John. That's when John looked at Him and said, Behold, the, in John 1.29, it appears, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And here He's now, He's manifest public ministry. And he begins to go about. Now, John did no miracle. You know that. John the Baptist did no miracle. No miracle. He did not speak in tongues. Today's modern Pentecostals would say he didn't have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that sad? He didn't speak in tongues. didn't do any miracles. And so, Jesus comes, and he is opposite. By the way, John's wily, wild woolly. I mean, he's dressed in camel hair and eating locusts. And I think locusts and wild honey were locusts and wild honey. You can try to make that any way you want. He probably ate locusts. The bug and wild honey. Why not? People eat locusts. I think if you chocolate, you cover them, they'd probably be good. In fact, you put a Snicker ice cream bar over them, I could eat anything. Who knows what I've eaten in a Snicker ice cream bar? What the, what's fallen in that? Rats, mice, roaches. You eat that thing, so that's beautiful. And uh, so John the Baptist, he's a wild man. He comes as a wild, red-faced Baptist preacher. Preaching hell, fire, and damnation around those folks. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus comes. Now he comes in smooth clothing. He comes. He comes uh, eating with sinners and more dignified, you know, and not wild looking like that. God comes in a lot of different ways. Don't miss him when he comes by. We see the road to Emmaus. Jesus says in verse twenty-seven, amazing statement. He says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. Now, you know when he says all the scriptures, that was just the Old Testament because there was no New Testament. You know, I can't tell you, and I'm going to say it again. I said this morning, so many people diminish the Old Testament, and they just want to read the New Testament. It's just the New Testament preacher, just the New Testament preacher. Brother, all those places in the New Testament that refer to scripture are referring back to the Old Testament because there was no New Testament yet. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He's talking about the Old Testament. 
So neither show thyself approved. Talking about the Old Testament. Uh, when he says here, he expounded in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He's talking about the Old Testament. Don't, don't be one of them people out there saying, well, I just read the New Testament. I don't really think I need to read it. I get tired of the begat and begot and begat. Well, we'll skip through them if you can't stand the genealogies. Just run through them real quick. But don't miss the other good stuff. My wife, man, she's come up with some profundity out of the Old Testament. Only a woman would figure out. She said, "If you, I don't want to tell you what they all are. I don't have time tonight. But if you want to know, ask her afterwards. But but Jesus, when he when he have you ever meditated on all the scriptures? What scriptures did he go to? Did he go to Deuteronomy 18 when it said there'd be one raised up like Moses? I think he had to. Uh, did he go to Psalm 118, 22 to 23? Did he go to Isaiah 28, 16? I think he had to. Uh, Isaiah 28, 16, one of our texts says, Therefore saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. He that believeth should not make haste. I, I think he, he went to Psalm 118, which basically repeats that. It's very similar. In Matthew 21, 27, Jesus said him to, when he was talking, by the way, by the way, in Matthew as refer the as refer to referring back to Isaiah 28 there, quoted in the New Testament by Jesus in Matthew 21, 42. Uh, in 21, 31 of that same chapter, Jesus said, that publicans and harlots would be in the kingdom of God before you. Now, you talk about knocking their socks off. I mean, that statement, you're talking to a bunch of self-righteous individuals who, who had memorized, very likely, and many of them memorized the Old Testament. By the way, that was a correct statement you made in Sunday school. Had memorized the Old Testament and were intelligent and followed every little jot and tittle and even had made... Uh, new stuff up about the way they washed their hands and the way they ate their food. And they, they prided themselves in being clean. And, you know, cleanliness is next to... But um, I guess not with the Pharisees. They were clean on the outside. The outside of the cup was clean. They had cologne on and smelled good and looked good and kept their hair all spiffy. But, brother, inside were full of dead men's bones, Jesus says. Putrefaction on the inside. God wants you clean on the outside and the inside, but if he's got a choice, he wants you clean on the inside, you'll be dirty on the outside. But man, oh man, what, what, did I lose my thing here? Man, I feel like, I feel like somebody's turned me off. In verse 31 of, of Matthew 21, man, I mean, he tells them, the public is a harlot's going to the kingdom of God before you. That will clean out Joel Osteen's church. In verse 42, he said, Jesus said to them, Did you ever read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Wow. After Jesus' ascension, disciples used this name cornerstone for him also. He used it for himself. And then they used it, William Peter used it in Acts chapter 4, verse 11 12. This is the stone which was set at naught by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you want to learn to preach, you read the Bible. 
The Bible applies it to the people. They don't just talk around truth. Peter just didn't talk around truth. He said, you builders. He said, you hung and crucified the Messiah. <laughs> a sermon's good, but it's really good when you put the application to it. He applied it to them. By the way, they wanted to take him out. People don't mind hearing truth as long as it's general. But he applied it, and they applied it in the New Testament to preach. Peter, in his first epistle, 1 Peter 2, 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Unto them which disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Paul also refers to Jesus as this cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. And are, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, for some of you, that's a nice name, chief cornerstone, but I'm not going to assume that you actually know what a chief cornerstone is. Because unless you're maybe Charlie in the construction or Bob Morris, you don't know what a chief cornerstone is. The average guy would not know what a chief cornerstone is and what its function is. So what is the significance of Christ being called the chief cornerstone? Well, here's what it is. I look at a couple commentaries. A guy that I like to look at, a guy named Lenski. He says there's not a single line or angle that is not determined by the cornerstone in a building. Not a single line or angle that's not determined by the cornerstone. A.T. Robertson, he says about the cornerstone, he says, here is the primary foundation stone at the angle of the structure by which the architect fixes a standard for the bearings of the walls and the cross walls throughout. In other words, when, he, when they set that cornerstone, everything from that point on is measured off of and lined off of, whether it be plumb, level, whatever, is off of the cornerstone. So would you take some time for the cornerstone? It's the most important stone of the old, of the old type construction, the cornerstone. Very important. Christ is, according to the Bible, the standard by which all else is measured. He sets the stage for further building. If you want to build something that's going to last, you build it on Jesus. Here I am, 65 years old, 18 years old, decided to start building my life on something. Everybody has to decide to build their life on something. I decided to build my life on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. I said, I'm going to read the Bible, his word, the mind of Christ. I'm going to learn what it says, and I'm going to try to obey, by the grace of God, what it says, and I'm going to try to come into compliance and obedience to what I read. And I, I got one life to soon be passed, and I want to give it to Christ, and I want to see at the end of it if I'm sorry I did it or I'm, not, or I'm, I'm happy I did it. Well, what do you think? I'm happy. I'm telling you young people, I'm happy. I'm not faking it. I'm happy. I am so happy. I'm getting happier every day. Ask anybody. I'm so happy you can't even believe it. Brother Tom, isn't it good to get old in Christ? It's sweet getting old in Christ. Hair or no hair. Amen. I mean, it is sweet getting old in Christ. It is. It is gray or no gray. 
I don't have gray. You got gray. I, I, gray or no gray. It's, it's, it's great getting old. I'm loving this thing called getting old, except for the pain. Shortness of breath, lack of able to do stuff I used to. Well, I mean, otherwise, it's good in Christ. Well, what can we learn from this symbol? Well, first, just as the builders look to the cornerstone for importance and guidance, so we should look to Jesus primarily rather than looking to men. Listen, listen to me, young people. You're going to have people tell you their philosophies of life. You're going to hear everybody's. You've got it already having a baby. 25 different women probably come up and told you about how to nurse them, how to do this, how to do that, and how to what, how you're going to have them, how your baby, and how you're going to birth it. And I mean, you know, you know, you take it for what it is. But, but uh, in life, what's really going to make a difference is what Jesus said. Amen. And I'm going to get my guidance and what's important in life and your decision making. Look to Jesus primarily. Look to Jesus. Why? Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus will never disappoint you. If I ask Brother Sikora, you've been disappointed in Jesus? He'd say no. If I ask Mrs. Sikora, you ever been disappointed in Jesus? She'd say no. I have been disappointed in Bill, and I have been there to hear it. Hey, really? Remember when she wanted that new piano, Bill? Well, anyway, I have been. I have been disappointed. Marilyn could say, I have been disappointed in Bob, but she's never been disappointed in Jesus. Now, you won't be disappointed in Jesus. I'm staying away from everybody else. The people are back in that room there. It's a long shot from here to there. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He's elect and he's precious. He that believeth in him should not be confounded. The word confounded means to be shamed down. If you'll trust in Jesus and make him what you look to as a standard, as a measurement in your life, what you should do, how you should do it, you'll never be disgraced. You'll never, you'll never be put to blush. These are the synonyms of the word confounded in Greek. You'll never be dishonored by the grace of God. That is with God. You may be dishonored with men, but you're not going to be dishonored with God. Ooh, no. Oh, no. You'll not be shamed in the end of it all. Why? Jesus, why should we look to this cornerstone? Well, because he'll not disappoint you. Number two, why? Because he'll never fail you. He'll never fail you. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong, of good courage, fear not, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth good, that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I believe that to be true. Joshua, the old young Joshua, taking on a massive responsibility of that renegade group of people. He's going to go in and face giants. Joshua 1.5 said, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And by the way, at the end of the whole thing, he said, not one word of all these, of all that God said ever failed. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, David said to Solomon, Be strong and of good courage. Do it. Build the temple. Fear not. For we nor be dismayed. For the Lord thy God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And I can tell you, at the stage I am in life, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I've seen a lot of people come and go. At least in my, in my estimation of a lot, I suppose. And I can tell you, those who love Jesus, he didn't fail. He didn't fail him. 
I was just thinking today, I had an awakening. I don't know if you ever have that. You old people know what I'm talking about? Jama, you know what awakening is? Have you ever tried to remember somebody's name and it's just not there? You just know it's not there. It just ain't there. And I was in the shower, out of the shower. It's always around that time I shower and get out and get ready and walk around my house a little bit. I get this awakening. And my wife, I've been trying to remember this guy's name for forever. And I, he was here early on, I think in the 80s, early 80s. And he was, he was a Bible teacher. He was, a, he was a saint of God. He was a lovely man. But he had a bad heart. He, and it was before they had a bunch of uh, help for people with heart. He died. I got to go up to the hospital. Uh, his wife told me that they, now listen, now listen, his name, I got his name. It came to Joe Pickering. You know, right? Joe Pickering. And you know what? I could remember his wife's name. Helen Pickering. Now, folks, you don't understand the miracle of this whole thing. I'm, I'm in the hallway going like this on my wife. Uh, uh, I mean, man, I am like, it's Joe and Helen Pickering. I'm like, whoa, I got an awakening. It's all up there. I just can't get to it. But God said, I'm just going to show you what it's going to be like in heaven. Whoa, Joe and Helen Pickering. I remember them real well. And uh, I remember I heard he was dying. His wife said, I can't believe it. Now, let me tell you, Joe looked as good as Dr. Gillespie. Joe, I, I'm sorry, he's sitting in the front. Joe looked as good. He looked a little bit better than Mike. I mean, he looked healthy. He had pink fingernails, nice blush. Uh, read to his face in the ICU. So I go up there to see him because I can't believe the guy's dying. He was just at church. So I go up there in the ICU and I, I know Joe loved Jesus, man. I was in my 20s, 20, probably 28, 29 years old. And I go to Joe and I, and you know, I ask strange questions. I'll be honest with you. I really don't care. I mean, I do care for them, but I don't care if it's a strange question or not. So I go to Joe, and I say, I'm standing beside his bed, and I'm looking at him. He looks good. I say, Joe, you look real good. But the nurse says you got about one or two days. He said, yeah, that's what they say. I'm going to be alive one or two days. I say, Joe, you're the best-looking guy I've ever seen getting ready to die. I said, can I ask you a question? He says, well, why not? I said, what's it feel like to be this close to glory? And he kind of, there honestly was a glow on that man's face. There was a glow on the, I'm telling you, there was a glow on this guy's face. And it was glory. I'm telling you, he said, it feels good. I went home. The next day he was gone. He went to glory. I am still asking God to let me die that way. Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be as his. Woo! You trust in Jesus. He's going to take you all the way home. He's not going to take you to the end of life and then desert you. He's not going to take you to the end of the thing and abandon you. He's going to help you. He's your chief cornerstone. Well, Jesus will never leave you either. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You've heard these verses over and over again. Matthew 28, 20, teaching him to serve all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way even unto the end of the world. Do you believe it? Say amen. 
And I don't know, with what's going on in our society, I told my wife this whole thing may come tumbling down. These, these liberals, these liberals are so mad that they didn't get their own. It's been so long since they haven't gotten their own way. They may start shooting us and start doing all kinds of stuff. This thing may go into a civil war. And, and you know, a lot of things can change. And, 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 and uh, I told them, I'm just ready. I'm just ready. Whatever God has, he'll be with us. In the midst of a civil war, God will be with us. What does the symbol mean? Well, just as the chief cornerstone was the only and, and it was the only stone like that, it was totally different from all the other stones in the building. So Jesus is unique, right? There's no two Jesuses. Only one Jesus of the Bible. Only one standard. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. When old Bernie Sanders was questioning that old boy that, that was a good guy, appointed by I think Trump for a particular office, and he was trying to tell him, he said, you mean to tell me all the Jews will be condemned? And he says, I believe the, the doctrine of the Bible, basically. I believe the, the statement that, you know, Jesus is, uh, I can't remember the word he used, but he used uh, exclusive would have been the word. And he said, you mean to tell me all the Islamists are going to be condemned? And, and basically the guy's answer was yes. That Jesus is just the way. He says, You're, people like you and Christians aren't fit to be in our government. I'm thinking, Bernie, you're not fit to be in the government. There were Christians in the government before you were ever allowed in the United States of America. Wow. That's what they're saying. They're trying to, they're trying to isolate us and, 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 and put us in a position where what we say is hate speech so they can sue us and so they can persecute us and so they can take us out of their way. But we serve the living God who made heaven and earth. And brother, this last election taught him a little bit about what God can do even with a guy like Trump. I'm telling you, if you'd have told me he'd have got elected, I'd have flipped over and done a somersault. And for my age, that's big. What does the symbol mean? Just as the chief cornerstone was extremely costly and precious, so Jesus, the chief cornerstone, is costly and precious. We are saved by the precious, and I'm glad you don't sit in the first row, precious blood of Christ. The precious blood. Folks, if you miss everything in this world, don't miss Jesus. And if you miss everything, don't miss Jesus. What does the symbol mean? Just as the cornerstone was carefully checked, carefully tested, carefully retested, so Christ is tried. He was tried. I'm glad the devil tempted him. I'm, I'm glad he was tested and he was tried because he's tried, he's proven. He's somebody you can rely upon. In Isaiah 28, 16, he says it's, he's a tried stone. What does the symbol mean? Well, just as the cornerstone was based, was the basis for success of the whole building, the whole building's layout was dependent on that cornerstone and the success of it. So Christ is the basis of our success. He said, because I live. I live. Because I live, you'll live also. Amen. Because he lives, we're going to live. That takes some heat off of me. Amen. If it was up to me, I'd be scared. I'd be real scared. But if it's up to him, I wouldn't be so scared. Amen. I'm trusting in him. He's gone on before us. He's set down, the Bible says, the right hand of the Father. He's making an intercession for you tonight. 
God loves you. Remember those voices that are talking to you, telling you God's mean and God's not for you and God's going to tear you up and God's going to hurt you and, and God's not good? Those aren't the voices of the Bible. Those aren't the voices of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're out there doing wickedly, fear. But if you're trying to do the will of God, he's, he, wants you, he, wants, he wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. He wants you to make it to the end and have a glorious entrance into heaven more than you want it. That's why when we do this VBS, man, we're doing something God wants to do. When you do that bus visit, you're doing something God wants to do. You go out door to door, you're doing something God wants to do. You go to the mercy home and all these other ministries we're doing, you're doing stuff God wants to do. You're, you're riding the wave, man. You're going to the prison. You're doing something God wants to do. You're on the wave. I've been in big boats before, big ships, and the dolphins, they push water ahead of them, and it creates a positive push ahead of them. And those dolphins just are lazy. They, like, they actually like to play. And they'll get on that wave, and they'll just, they don't have to even hardly hit it. They just can kind of ride, the, ride in front of there, and they just kind of keep this little motion. That's you and me, man. Jesus is already plowing through the thing. Trust me, he's coming. Whether, you li- whether the world likes it or they don't like it. Trust me, he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. Whether the world likes it or don't likes it. There's no, there's no amount of power greater than God. The devil's not going to stop him. Nothing's going to stop him. He's going to prevail. He's going to rule. He's going to set his kingdom up. You're going to be in it by the grace of God. He's going to set you up. Man, don't blow it. I like Psalm 40. First three verses where it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. I'm getting ready to do a sermon. I'm trying not to let it out of the box right now. I'm getting ready to do a sermon on, on Peter when he began to sink. He cried out. He cried out. God heard my cry. He brings you to a place where you can't trust into yourself anymore. And you have to cry out. Don't be mad at him for giving you cancer. It makes you cry. Don't be mad at him for taking all your money. That makes you cry. Don't be mad at him for doing something in your life like my guy. That makes you cry. And when you cry out to God, he'll answer you. He brings you to a place where you'll cry out like Peter. How would you like to be like Peter? All the rest of them yahoos are back in the boat. I mean, no offense to the disciples. When I, when I see them, I'm going to say that to them. What were you yahoos doing back in that boat? The truth of it is that Peter was the only one that had the faith to believe that he could walk on water. But with that came the fear. Yeah, he put himself out there, didn't he? Psalm 40 says, He brought me up out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock, and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praising our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. I believe God will do that your life, your life right here tonight. He'll do that. He's doing it or will do it if you'll choose him. Because it rests in Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, because he is the cornerstone, 
Things are sure. Now, you know there's not much sure in this life. You haven't lived very long to know things ain't much. Very, there's no sure things in this life. Nothing's sure in this life. Put your money with these people, and they'll go, they'll, they'll go belly up, lose it all. I mean, you know, there's no, there's any, you guys got your money invested in all kinds of different places. Not one of you can go to bed at night and say it'll be there in the morning. They'll change the doggone currency on you to something else, the bongo bucks. And your dollars will be worthless. People say, well, I got gold. Well, other people got guns. We have a great Savior. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He's living no matter what my mind says. I hope you're resting in His work. You're hoping in His grace. And you're looking for Him, to Him for a standard. I hope you are. Our text verse, Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone. You know this is written 700 years before that. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. You'll not be, you'll not be shamed down. You're not going to be embarrassed if you'll trust in God. What that indicates though is everybody that doesn't trust in him will be embarrassed. And they will be shamed down. Because they have missed the Son of the Living God. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Father, help us tonight. Anoint the Word of God as it's preached. Anoint the Bible as we've gone over this subject one more time. Pray, Father, the, there could be some in this room that do not know Jesus personally as their cornerstone. You've been kind of trusting in your own wisdom, in your own wit, in your own way. You're struggling. You have a nervous anxiety attacks, and you're 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 worried about what's going to happen with the government, what's going to happen with food, what's going to happen, and and Jesus said, "I'm your cornerstone." When I was in the womb, and my mother was moving around, jumping around, going down rough roads, trying to get rid of me. You said, "No, no matter what she does," and she didn't really mean to get rid of me. She was just doing what she normally did, worked and moved around. I was just a little tyke. So small you couldn't hardly see with a naked eye. And God said, I put you in the womb. I formed you in the womb. I made you. That God loves you. Sent his son to die for you to have your sins propitiated and forgiven. Why don't you say yes to him? I want to be forgiven. I want my sins propitiated. I want you to be my advocate before the Father. And trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Maybe tonight you're a Christian. You've been struggling with that anxiety I talked about. Why don't you trust God? Just say, I'm giving, I'm giving all that anxiety up. I'm quitting it. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lay my, lay my head upon my pillow and say, what will be, will be, because I'm a child of the living God. He's going to do what is best for me no matter what. Oh, help your people tonight to have peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website or go to Facebook 
and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida, or call the office at 239-947-1285. Thank you. God bless.